Welcome to Hacking Postgres, an interview podcast with the people working on open source projects around Postgres, which in my opinion is the world's best open source database. Uh, I'm Rye Walker, founder of Tembo, a managed Postgres company. And today I have Phil, Phil Noel from uh, ParadeDB, working on ParadeDB uh, as my guest. Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Oh, great to great to actually meet you. Um, I'd like to start, maybe you could give us a quick background, like uh, maybe where where did you grow up in the world and what were you doing before Postgres? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Happy to. So I'm originally from Quebec City, um, the French part of Canada. I actually grew up in a small town called Rivière-du-Loup, which is two hours east. Um, spent most of my life there. And then eventually I left to go to university. I stayed in Boston studied computer science and neuroscience, did a few things. I started a browser company before before Parade DB, which I ran for about three years. And then after that, um, you know, got acquainted with the joys of Postgres, you could say, through that experience. Um, sounds somewhat similar to yours, maybe, although not to the same scale. And um, my my previous co-founder and I only started Parade DB. Nice. We talked to the... Um... The browser company, what was that called and, and how far did you get in that project? Oh, that is that <laughs> is both a short and a long story. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> it was called Wist. It was called Wist. We were building a um like a cloud based web browser. Um so the idea was to the initial idea was to offload heavy processing to the cloud via streaming, which is like an age old idea, but we were young and dumb, so we thought we had invented something. Um, we did that for a while, raised a couple rounds of funding, grew a team to like 25 people, but we never quite found PMF and eventually pivoted into cybersecurity, did that for a while, but it wasn't, it was a much better market, but not our battle to win. So, so we closed down the company. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm sure we, we have, uh, both have a lot of, uh, battle stories we could, um, commiserate <laughs> over. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So do you, do you remember when you first started using Postgres? I can't remember. That's why I last, I like asking this question. Cause it's like, it kind of just happened at some point in my career, but do you remember specifically when you started with Postgres? I don't know, actually. That's yeah. a good question. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like as a, as a user, I don't know as a developer, like, you know, yeah. since like earlier this year or last year, but yeah. yeah. Oh, well, cool. Tell me, tell me what, uh, obviously as a user, you've used it for years, I'm sure. Uh, tell me about like your Postgres work. Like what, what are you, uh, what, what, what have you built in the past and what are you building now? Or is this just this first, is this all just the first thing, I guess? I would say it's the first major thing. So yeah. maybe we can keep it to that. Um, what yeah. we're doing, so we're building ParadeDB. ParadeDB is a, um, like a Postgres database, essentially a Postgres extension where we're integrating native full text search within Postgres, which is something that some people are quick to jump to say this already exists, and some people are quick to jump to say the one that exists is very bad. And so they're very excited cool. about what we're doing. So the depends which camp, which camp you fall on. Um, but the first thing we release is this extension called PGBM25, where we're essentially integrating like proper full text search within Postgres, and then combine this with some of the existing innovations that have come, like PG Vector, to build hybrid search. And our mm -hmm. goal is to build this Postgres type database that is sort of the go-to choice for companies where search is critical to the product they're building. Nice. Um, why, why do you think you're, you're working on this? Like what led you here? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, this is a problem we face ourselves, and that's kind of why we wanted to solve it. Um, so after my after my first company, um, my co-founder and I, we started, we were like trying to decide what we we're going to do next. So we started doing some contracting work, like sort of left and right. I was living in Paris at the time and working with a lot of French and German company. And when we were working with this German automaker, they just really needed like high quality full text search within Postgres. So the product we were building for them. And instead, we had to glue Elasticsearch or some vector database on top. And it was just a nightmare. And we were very frustrated with how bad it was and decided, you know what, maybe we should just fix it ourselves. And so that kind of led us to today. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like, um, I don't know. I've, there was a famous tweet that I, I can't remember the exact wording on, but it, it basically said something to the effect that, hey, like, hey, tech founders, like, uh, you do yourself well to pivot to building something um, that would support whatever you would be building today. You know, like basically go one level deeper, you know, than, than your current yeah. idea uh, is yeah, it's similar to um, what we did uh, at Astronomer because, uh, you know, we were basically building a competitor to segment, you know, clickstream data processing. And mm -hmm. then we started using Airflow. Um, then we said, hey, you know, like, let's just provide Airflow as a service, you know, and it kind of made it, made that switch to go down a level. And uh, that was just, that was the winning pivot, you know, uh, for that company. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so it sounds like you've, you've kind of jumped down to, um, you know, more of an infrastructural issue, which I think is good. Um, uh, well, uh, what, what challenges, I mean, it's, it's, a uh, obviously there's uh, a lot of ground to cover, but what, what are your biggest challenges would you say, um, you face so far building this thing? You mean like business wise or technical wise or yeah, Postgres wise? Actually. Yeah. I'd love to hear, uh, I'd love to hear all, all categories of challenge. Yeah. Like spill the beans. Like what's hard, what's hard about this? I mean, I, I imagine like fundraise, I mean, it's a tough time to fundraise. So like that's probably not, not awesome. Um, but yeah, maybe start technically. What's yeah, I can start technically. Um, I think, I think software is the easiest part of building a company. So I would say totally. these are our simplest set of challenges, not to say it's easy. Um, I mean, you know, I was actually talking to, to Eric that I listened to the, you know, the hacking Postgres episode with Eric yeah. and I talked to him afterwards, like, at first, we didn't know PGRX was a thing, and we were like, oh my god, like, yeah. how on earth is this even going to be a thing? And then we found out PGRX was a thing, and we were like, wow, it went from like near impossible to like quite doable, really. Yeah. Um, so like on the technical front, I mean, there's just so much you need to do when you're building search, right? Like, we have covered a small ground of features of what people expect, and there's so many more that we need to build, and so we're trying to prioritize that. Yeah. Uh, so like, you know, obviously Elastic is probably the big, the big competitor. Um, what, like, I don't know, you, you can, can you estimate what percentage of their functionality you aim to replace? Is it essentially a hundred percent? And, uh, you know, what's your progress towards that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, our progress is small, like it's, it's small <laughs> enough that you can use it, but like Elastic is enormous, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think we aim to you know to replace or to not to replace sorry to to match like a hundred percent of their features um at least for like sorry from transactional data which is what we do today um i think we actually had a decent bit of the way done and definitely enough to keep us busy for another couple of months but um i think we're like that's just one of the first step 
of what we're looking to to match. Beyond that, like what everything Elastic does for observability, that's sort of another story, and that's uh, another you know another milestone that we will see. You know, depending on what our customers want. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, obviously, like I'm building a, a, a fresh new tech startup as well, and I, I understand like you got to match the functionality of like I call, I call it like the ta the table stakes features, but then you also have to come up with some differentiators, or else no one will care. So, like, what what are the biggest differentiators you're thinking about with Parade DB? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I think for Parade DB right now, the differentiator has been ironically. I would say the combination of two non-differentiated things, if that makes sense, which is like, if you want to do trend, like search over transactional data, Parade DB is sort of the best solution today because it's the only thing that actually truly combines the two. It wasn't done before. And so sort of our initial interest, I would say, has come from that. So typically when people wanted to do this, they would have some managed Postgres provider, right, of which there are many. Um, and then they would use Elastic and then they would need to combine the two and then run the two and so on. And it can be a ton of work. Um, and so ParadeDB sort of makes that a single system. And especially for small companies, um, which is where you've been starting, it's been like a really, it's been a lot easier to manage, I would say. And so that really draws them to us. That's sort of like our initial point initially. Um, but we have like some other things that will be coming up, which hopefully will like expand on this sort of initial interest. Yeah. I mean, it seemed to me like, you know, as I think about building my next search uh, bar in a product, uh, I have to decide, do I want to go what I can call like the old school way versus vector search? Like maybe maybe I can get away with some sort of like uh, AI integration for search. Um, is that, do, do you see, are, are people asking that question or do they have the perception that maybe like vector search somehow gets you know, replaces or dis displaces in some way, um, you know, traditional full text search type features? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. Um, a lot of people have, I've talked to a lot of people who weigh in on both sides of the coin, I would say. Yeah. Um, my personal take is both will remain quite important. Um, yeah. Just because like at the end of the day, people will still have data and will still need to be able to find instances of those that data, right? Yeah. And like, there's one way to find it via, you know, similarity, but there's also sometimes you just want to start from a clean slate. Um, and so I think both are quite valuable. Most of the people we talk to, um, hybrid search is very important to them. Like the combination right. of the two, both big and small companies. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why we built Parade the way we did today, where, you know, PG Vector exists and, and so many others. And I would almost say vector search is kind of table stake now. Um, yeah. Like we don't really have to innovate on that so much ourselves, I would say. But the traditional search is kind of the piece that's been missing, which is why we released this first extension, PGBM25. And then we offered the combination of both as well within Parade with another extension called PG Search, um, which we're going to be publicizing more heavily soon. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it, I think it seems like, well, it seems to me like um, you can't, everything has to have an AI story uh, or else perhaps it's been outdated, right? So I think even search, even full text search, you gotta, you can say, so I, I like that the hybrid answer is a good answer. Um, obviously then you have to figure out how to hybridize it all, you know, and that's not necessarily trivial. Um, but yeah, I'm curious yeah. to, yeah, see what you come up with on this. Yeah, it takes some effort. It takes some effort. Um, I would say, 
like we definitely have an AI story, but my like our personal take on the whole AI world and trade is like AI is sort of a step function improvement on existing things being done, but you need a foundation of like value proposition for customers on the fundamental like non-AI part of the product, if that makes sense. And that's kind of how we think about it. Like there are so many people that are trying to bring AI when there was like nothing useful to begin with. Well, I really think of AI as taking something that was useful to begin with and making making it that much better. And so it kind of plays quite well, actually, with the way we've been going about, you know, delivering this product and saying like, hey, we'll just give you really good full text search. And obviously so much more can be done, but if that is not useful in the first place in Postgres, then like, yeah. who cares that I can add AI to it? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I think about it like, um, uh, you know, you can't build AI without training data, right? And you can't build, you can't have training data without a product, you know, that collects some base level data. If you have a base level of product without AI, it it's got to, you know, basically you have to start without AI to have data at all. And, you know, that's I think that's a challenge a lot of founders, maybe they're thinking they're going to go straight to AI. They're like, um... You know, there's nothing. I, we got you. Got to start. Yeah, yeah you got to start basic. Yeah, I agree. Well, so what? What's what are some big milestones? How many? How many big milestones do you have envisioned for Parade DB at this moment? That's a, also a good question. <laughs> um, I mean, you probably have a, a next say, one, right? You you usually know your next big milestone. Hopefully, you'd have that. Yeah, of course. Of and course. you don't have to tell me what it is, um, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like, no, how course, far ahead? Happy. Yeah. Happy to share. I mean, to be honest, our big milestones was to get a thousand stars in MutaHub and then some stranger sure. posted our repo on Agnews and somehow that happened in a couple of days, which was yeah. really exciting and rather unexpected. Um, now, our big milestone is we're about to release like our own small version of like a mode, like managed Postgres-ish specifically for ParadeDB specifically cool. uh, to test, you know, how else we can deliver value to people like many that have been using the product so far have been using our self-hosted version which you know i'm yeah. sure you're extremely familiar with how people don't want to do this yeah, uh yeah. you know doing combo so yep. so that's the next big milestone that's coming um trying to to learn to manage this and then after that we have a couple of i think I think after that we'll see like the exact number. We're just trying to get more people on it and yeah. see what they think. I mean, yeah, yeah. Just grow, grow users. Um, do you, do, you know, this is another another thing I, I've been thinking about around just even like we we have stacks, you know, at Tembo like with different use cases for Postgres, mm -hmm. and then some things ought to be workloads separated from other things. Like for example, do you keep your analytical workload separate from transactional? That's clear. Um, but search, search is interesting. Whether that's like an add-on. Like, is that just work that the transactional database should be doing? Or is it somehow, do you think like the workload for search should be isolated from traditional uh, transactional workloads from an application standpoint? That's a good question. I think it depends what product you're building, to be honest. Yeah. Um, because you don't want to slow down transactions. That's something that's very important for to us. For example, um, like we i think it's possible to integrate it i think actually i think it's up to you yeah the way we're thinking about it so the way we've built parade db is we offer weak consistency over search so what this means is the way we build searches we have inverted indices that store the tokenized data that you want to search over but those um are weakly consistent so just like if you use elastic for example and something like zombo db and then you synchronize it 
like there will be some lag between you know transactions being updated in your database and then eventually being reflected in your search engine. Um, the same thing happens, but it happens automatically for ParadeDB. Instead of being, you know, it can be minutes sometimes, it's, here will be like a few seconds at the very most, but it ensures that your transactions are never slowed down, which is quite critical yeah. for people. So I think if you yeah. build some, if you build in that way, it's actually quite possible to centralize it um, and have it be like integrated with the actual database. Um, if you don't use a product where search is built that way, then I don't think you want to slow down your transactions. You have to isolate them. Yeah, I mean, I just think of like, I think a lot of people just obviously just do it inside their transactional database um, because, you know, it's, it's it seems like overkill to spin up a new Postgres just for search, for full, especially like traditional shitty full text search, you know, that's available, uh, you know. Um, but um, if we want to get good search, you know, if I wanted to have, build really good search into an application, I would go buy Algolia or something like that. And that clearly is a microservice at that point, right? Um you know, I'm sending data to them to index and they're sending me back results, you know, really quickly that are, that are happening. You know, it's not taxing my main database as a part of that. So I kind of like thinking of search as a, a you know, let's call it great search as a microservice, um, um, you know, candidate for sure. Uh, because the, the, the better you make it, the more, the more, uh, compute it requires, the more computer requires, the more it's competing right so uh i don't know I, yep. I i like the idea of um you know just taking that worldview that great search needs to be separated from the transactional um yeah um yeah or, you or need, analytical you need, yeah 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 I, th I think i think you're right in a lot of ways like you do need to be able to orchestrate it properly at scale is it definitely something that we will ponder more and more as we have more people using it and using it at greater scale um i do think even if it needs to be like totally separate from what we have done today, one of the great things and where like DBMSs and, and Postgres managed companies like Brandy or Tendo show up is in the ability to just make it transparent to the customer, the actual yeah. complexity of the orchestration behind the scene, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, well, cool. So, uh, uh, you know, you've been writing code for, for a number of years now. Like what, what would you say your... Um, um, the most important lesson has been kind of switching from the technical to the interpersonal or, or just like professional, like what, what's your, you, do you have any like top lesson if you're going to meet with a young developer, you'd say, <laughs> um, specifically on writing code, yeah, I would whatever. say, yeah, well, specifically on writing code, I would say only write the code that you need to write. Mm -hmm. I think that's like a big one. Like our previous, our previous company. Like we, maybe, maybe I'll bundle it with this one. I like to think of products and startups now as like science experiments, right? As a works of art. And I think our yeah. previous company, we thought of it as a work of art. And so we came out of college, we were so incredibly into it and we wanted to be perfect. Like we cared so tremendously about what we did that we always went above and beyond and it always made the product better and it involved writing more code, but it never made the product, well, it did not always make the product better in a way that meaningfully improved the experience of the user or like brought us closer to product market fit, right? Cool. And so I think if you think of a work of art, like it's never finished, it needs to be perfect versus a science experiment is more like what's the bare minimum I can do to validate or invalidate this hypothesis I have, right? Yeah. Or deliver value to a customer. And so what I would say, what I wish I could say to my younger self sure. was, you know, if no one has asked for this, I don't think you need to do it. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. So you're you're more of a science. You're saying like be more of a scientist than an artist, uh, perhaps to some degree um, it, when you're starting on something and it's not validated. I think so. I think so. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of great products are almost like work of art. It's like people were so obsessed over it, and you can feel that, you know. And so I don't think you want to leave all types of like aesthetic approach or like care, you know, to it. But I think definitely early on, like before you even you know, sink so much time into it. You just want to get, you just want to get feedback quickly, right? Yeah. And that involves just only writing the code you need to write. Yeah, I'll tell you a quick story. Like when we started Astronomer, I have a, a good friend, Greg Neheisel. He was CTO and basically my partner of crime. And we, you know, we just uh, very much, um, uh, you know, mind melded on a lot of things. But our attitude, you know, following your principle was like, really what we were building was this like beautiful lattice of uh, glue, you know, and everything was open source inside. So we used, for example, we used uh, Google's material design, uh, which had just come out yeah. and, and we built the UI like adhering to it perfectly and ended up being a beautiful UI because guess what? Those guys like, you know, built a great framework and we, you don't, it, we had no designer on the team. Um, Google was our designer. We would joke about it all the time. And we actually chose a color scheme for the company that was kind of googly, had the same like four main colors. So it was really easy to um, build something great. But that we really built, you know, the first version of our product was was entirely open source components just glued together in a unique way. And that was our art. You know, it was like this inner skeleton of uh, <laughs> of, of uh, orchestration or, or just like, like I said, like I can think of it like a, lattice of glue that's holding all these things together and um yeah it was a very successful product and it looks you know i mean basically how you arrange uh open source components is is art you know it's a creative uh endeavor um i think and that's it's enough it's enough for a, a brand new product it's enough of it's enough art you don't have to go and reinvent like for example the airflow ui um during the this really hard early project and you don't have to go reinvent the Postgres UI, you know, like you kind of, maybe you want to, but you're like, let's, let's, uh, handle the first things first. So, so did, did you think of a lesson that was non-technical, um, that you learned that you would tell your younger self or, or not really? <laughs> oh, I have so many. Um, <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking after our previous company didn't work out. Yeah. Um, Specifically, I mean, I don't know. Like, this is a broad question. I can go in every direction. Um, I think, I think, let me think. Which one is the best one to share? Yeah. I would say, like, two, maybe, maybe okay. One one interesting lesson is when we were, um, I'll, I'll, I'll focus on, on the youth as well and what you mentioned. Like, when we were building our first company, our first product, um, we were, like, we felt very righteous. We were like yeah. doing something very difficult and like objectively technically difficult. And like a lot of people have tried before and we were like, ah, you know, they must have done it wrong. Like, who are they? People with more experience and contact than us, you know, to know how to do this really well. Um, and so we always like started every premise of what we're doing from the premise that we were correct. Uh, right. Okay. And then we were like, strive to like further validate the fact that we were yeah. correct. And I think this leads to like a lot of cognitive dissonance when you turn out to be wrong, right? Because you're like, you had this idea of like what you were thinking and it's now being challenged versus now, like the way we think about it 
And I mean this from a personal standpoint, from the way we talk and hire people, from the way we talk to customers, from the way we try to build product, that we just think we're wrong. Like yeah. I always assume I'm wrong in what I think. And then I strive to prove myself correct, right? And if I yeah. do, if we do manage to prove ourselves to be correct, then it's like a very positive moment. You're like, that's amazing. Like I yes. found this like great surprise that I wasn't fully convinced of before. And if you turn out to be wrong, you're like, well, you know, kind of thought I could be wrong all along, like not a big deal. And then sort of like drop this and move to something else. And I think yeah. it's a mental framework that has served us a lot better in, in, every, in everything that we do now. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a it's a tricky catch twenty two. Like you have to, as a founder, live in a reality distortion field just to change the world. You know, like you have to have a, a crazy idea that most people disagree with. Those are the best ideas. Unfortunately, they're also the worst ideas. You know, like uh, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and just accept that, like, hey, you might be a, at the same time. Like you have to also fight for your idea even if you hear a negative you know it's like ah oh, man um i built all this infrastructure for the for it to be righteous and now um you know it's hard to quit it's hard to give up on it but um yeah I, and, and i think it's wrong to give up on it a lot of times because again like a lot of the again i think that some of the best ideas like almost everyone would disagree with as it starts um but um yeah yeah, yeah i agree like uh it's it's a much better mindset to understand that <laughs> it's a lottery ticket sort of uh, odds not um not um hey like you know well if you were a good student like you know you can you know you can get an a in a class right you know you can get an a uh it's just a matter of doing the right amount of work and you'll get an a but it doesn't work that way with startups like it's um exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh cool so well i'm curious like are you paying attention to the postgres ecosystem and other other developments maybe that you're excited about that you've seen you know since you started working on parade yeah, yeah, I have. I mean, there's there's just so much that's happening in Postgres. Obviously, pretty excited about Tembo. Um, oh, been following cool. you guys' journey. There's, um, I mean, just like recently, there are people that, oh, I forget the name of the developer. That's very embarrassing. But someone released PG Branching, which maybe you've seen, um, yeah. which is like, so I was talking to Nikita, the, the CEO of Neon, right? And yeah. he was like raving about their branching system, which I'm sure is world-class and amazing. Yeah. Um, but it turns out other people might, you know, be able to do this someday, which is good for the community, perhaps. Um, yeah. So I think that's quite an exciting extension that, um, you know, that hasn't been made by us, for example, that um, we're very excited about. And there's like there's many others that I could that I could list. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. My first reaction, I saw like AWS announce, oh, we have active active uh, replication available on um, RDS. It's a new extension, you know, and I, I responded on Twitter, is it going to be open source and, you know, crickets. So it makes me feel like, um, yeah, time to, you know, like, like we'll study that extension and the community needs to just build the open source version of it if they won't do it. Like, I think it's, I mean, I, you, I don't, I'm not salty about how the big clouds operate, uh, you know, you know, extracting value from open source because I'm extracting value from open source and you are too. We all are like all the way down. Like I said, it's like value extraction and, all the way down to Linux, you know, <laughs> like, and, um, but, uh, uh you know, I, they could, they could be, I mean, you know, obviously their, their goal is to build a proprietary alternatives. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I really wish there was a Postgres company out there that was big and was, you know, worrying about the whole open source ecosystem. That's what we're trying to do. Um, but, um, yeah, One there's day. so much, yeah, yeah. There's so much going on. It's, it, it's like, 
I don't know if it's because I'm looking at it now or if, if things have changed in 2023, you know, uh, versus 2022. It's great that it's happening too during what I would consider like a, a lull in the venture ecosystem as well, you know. So I think the stuff that's happening now will be strong. You know, they always say like the startups that start during the the slow parts of venture usually end up being more successful than the ones at the hype you know, cycle. So. You and I are you and I are both lucky, you know. We're starting here, uh, even though it might not feel that way <laughs> uh, sometimes. I think um, I think it does feel that way though. Like we raised our round or we raised our seed round. Things went quite well. It was a challenging raise, but like challenging because people had were very critical about what we're doing, and I think that's good, right? Like the first company, we raised money on a terrible idea, and we thought raising <laughs> money was the good part, but actually, you know. If yeah. you have a terrible idea and people convince you of that early on, they're actually doing you a favor, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah. so, so I think it's I think it's good. And I'm I'm very I'm very bullish on the companies that are going to be founded that have been founded, you know, this year and that will be founded next year and and so yeah. on because I think I think you're right. Overall, typically they turn out to be quite good. Yeah. So do you have do you have a couple of favorite people that you've met in Postgres land? Um, Give him a shout out if you do. Yes. <laughs> sure. I mean, I met Eric, which I think will take the prize, you know, from my favorite one. Like, oh, yeah. he is very humble about it. He keeps saying TCDI needed VGRX. I think they really did it beyond what was needed, um, oh, yeah. you know, in for the favor, like for the benefit of the community. So yeah. I, I think he he's definitely gone above and beyond. He continues to go above and beyond. Um, another one, maybe you know him um, or not. Um, he's the writer of one of the PG Internals book called Hiro Nobu, uh, who's this Japanese man who lives in Europe now. Huh. Um, I haven't engaged with him very much, but he he's made this resource called I think interdb.jp or something like that. I could send you the link if you're curious. Yeah. Uh, which goes into Postgres internals at a great detail and um it's been like a good resource for us and our team. Yeah. So, so shout out to shout out to that guy. Yeah, yeah, I definitely read read the website, but I haven't spoken to the man. Uh, maybe we should. Yeah, try I've emailed him. with him a few times. Yeah, yeah. I tried to convince him to join us, but uh, it was too difficult to sell. Yeah, maybe well, he can. No, I, I mean, I tried to convince Eric Ridge to join Tembo in the early on, and he was too hard to sell. Well, I'm too. sure you did, of course. <laughs> I would have yeah. loved to convince him. I, yeah, I wanted. I mean, part like the the um, the naive part of me was like, I can't wait to convince Eric. Yeah. to join Parade. And then I talked to him, realized he basically is the co-founder and CTO of TCDI. And I was like, yeah. okay, like yeah. this, this isn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, you know, I was probably the 25th person to go after him and you were probably the 27th person to go after him, whatever, you know, yeah. like, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> exactly. it's never, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's great. I'm, I'm excited. You know, I, I'm kind of excited that these people that, that the, I'll call them like the gods of Postgres are kind of locked up, up, up on a, you know, uh, Mount Olympus. We don't get to see him or talk to him very much. Uh, that's exciting to me to know that, like, you know, someday we'll we'll get there. You know, and like uh, someday if our companies are are strong enough, you know, maybe we can get to uh, work with those people. But um, it's great to be in an ecosystem where where there is like a um, a tier of people that are just um, uh, amazing. Have been, you know, I was talking to Samay, you know, who's the CTO here at, at Tembo, and he 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 did a quick analysis to see that like. Most people become a, a committer at Postgres takes like around seven or eight years, you know, of contributing to Postgres before you get the commit bit, you know, which is like, wow, that is Whoa. an amazing, it's like, 
you know, you think of venture back startups, it's like two startups worth of effort, you know, like uh, sticking around for your full vesting uh, before you get to be a, so it's like, has nothing to do with the company that you're working for. It's just, you're, you're going to dedicate yourself to an open source project for the core of your professional life. Cause once you get there, you probably want to stick around for another eight years, I'm sure, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. But these people, like these people are great. And I think that's one of the things that's so great about the Postgres community. Like it's like, even though, you know, Eric and so on, like they're amazing people and they're doing great things and they're very busy and so on. Like they're so quite accessible, really. Yeah. Right? Like Eric is very accessible in the, in the PGRX discord and so on. So I do feel like by building open source, we still get to work with, with them, even though not, you know, in like the same organization. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, some other people I forgot to, to shout out, which perhaps deserve a lot of shout out is maybe like Umor and Ozbaum from, from Slidus, right? They were like yeah. truly visionaries, I think, of the Postgres world, building extensions yeah. when like, when, you know, Postgres was a toy database as like, yeah. you know, people would yeah. like critic, I'm being a bit critical of. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely standing on their shoulders too, you know, like they've, they did a lot of hard work early on and, um. Yeah, it's great. Uh, if you if you had a magic wand, you could add any feature to Postgres. Um, you know, tomorrow and it existed. Is there anything that you would use that wand on? Could, do you have any uh, things you wish Postgres was that it isn't? Oh, that's very interesting. I think yeah. the answer would be um, better distributed support. Actually, yeah. Um, yeah, and not you know i mean obviously what Slidus has done is amazing but like the whole reason yugabyte exists today for example is because there's only so much you can do when you're an extension like Slidus did right yeah. and like yugabyte is basically trying to be the postgres equivalent of cockroach db and yeah. i think if that was baked in natively to postgres um it would be it would be good for all the people yeah. that are building in postgres that's included yeah that's a good one um do you do you listen to podcasts very much not very much. Okay. Not very That's... much. Only yours. Okay, good. Uh, thank you. No, I listen. To, I, <laughs> no, I listen to like Postgres FM all the time. I'm huge fans of those guys. Like, um, uh, I, I do. I do listen to a lot of post podcasts. But um, yeah, just gonna ask you what your favorites are. But you already said, you know. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, cool. It, it was. It was great talking to you. Where can Where can listeners find you online? Maybe just tell us about yourself and and then Parade DB uh, URL and so on. Yeah, so you can find us on on paradedb.com um, or on GitHub is paradedb as well. It's open source. We welcome contributions and users and so on, of course. Like, we're very responsive. Um, okay. As for me specifically, um, I think you're going to link my Twitter um, yeah. in the bio, but my Twitter is Philippe M. Noel. It's basically my handle across every social media. You know, yeah. like, I feel like when you can find one, you sort of keep it, right? Oh, There's yeah. so many people now on the internet. So. Yeah. So that's my handle there, bro. People can find me there, and I love chatting. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining. Uh, love to have you on again in the future. We'll see, you know, again, it's super early in this podcast's life, but uh, track what's going on with Parade DB, and if there's uh, more stuff to talk about, we'll get back together. Of course, yeah, I would love to, to meet you. Thank you for having me. Okay.